Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers out there, and we love you, we honor you, and I hope that you have an incredible day. Uh, and I hope that your children and your spouse, I hope that they show and appreciate you. I hope if you have children far off, and maybe they're not even in the home, that they'll reach out to you. And one of the things that uh, we've been able to do is put together some gifts. So <clears throat> uh, if you didn't get Mother's Day gift, it might not be too late. You might be able to swing by the church this afternoon and pick up a gift that we have prepared for them to honor them. So they're available. They're in the front on the overhang area of the church. Pull up. Your mothers won't even know it if you get here before long. So think about that. Uh, also, let me say this as well, that this month is the month that we're going to honor our seniors. Next week is senior uh, uh, recognition. It's normally the time of the year that, that they have graduations and all the diplomas and accolades and honors and, and scholarships. Well, this is COVID-19 and it's not happening like normal. So we want to, we want to put a stake in the ground and honor the class of 2020 in a big time way. So would you join with us? If you want to be a part of honoring the class of 2020, here's how you can do that. Text SENIORS, with an S on it, to 97000. That will put you to a website, on our, on our website, that will enable you as a senior, if you're a senior, to register to be a part of the celebration. But also, if you want to adopt a senior to honor them, then you can be a part of that. We don't want any seniors left behind. We want to honor them big. And let me tell you, next Sunday we are doing, we're pulling out all the stops. We're going to have an incredible time together. And we have some guest speakers, all-star lineups to share and to speak in to your life. We're going to have people sharing about wisdom and life. We'll be in James chapter 1, verse 5, where we're ending today. We'll be there. I'm going to start, but we're going to kick it over to a graduate of our student ministry and his fiance, my son, and soon-to-be daughter-in-law, Emma Jenkins. Josh and Emma will share with you the wisdom that you need going into college. And then we're going to have some guests with Sadie Robertson. To share with us, she and her husband will share with us about life in the early years of adulting and marriage. And then to cap it all off, we have Dr. and Senator John Bozeman to speak over our graduates. We are going to have a stellar lineup next Sunday. Invite your family wherever they are, wherever they're living. Invite them to watch our live stream next Sunday, 830 on Facebook Live. We're going to have a time together, but the end it all, we're going to get all of our students and we're going to pray over them. Virtually as it may be, we're going to pray over our students and bless them and commission them out into this world. So that's coming up next Sunday. But there's no doubt, our seniors have had the raw end of the deal. But to be honest with you, everyone has. In some degree or another, it has disrupted our rhythms. It's disrupted our assumptions. What's going on right now? And we're trying to navigate it. We're trying to make the best of it. But listen, I've heard children, uh, parents have shared with me how their children have cried themselves to sleep because they miss their friends. That's hard. That's a separation anxiety that they're going through. And that's something that I wish our kids were not having to go through that. Marriages have been struggling. I was speaking with a marriage counselor in our area just the other day. And they said that their clients are going through the roof. 
They have more and more clients, more than they can see, and able to accommodate just because this COVID crisis has created or revealed cracks in their marriage. It's not created greater intimacy for some. It's created greater distance in the midst of being uh, cooped up together or whatever the stresses may be there. So this has been a disruption. And I just want to know, is anybody tired of Zoom yet? I love Zoom. I love the feature of it. I love what it offers us, but I'm tired of it. I got Zoom fatigue. In fact, I've been researching Zoom uh, and all the Zoom fatigue that is out there. I didn't even know it existed, but there was a study that was done in 2014 by some German academics talking about online classes and the quality of them and do you get better quality through online experiences and so forth, and they actually found that you don't. That actually collaboration quality goes down, work output goes down, that people uh, become more fatigued, physically, emotionally fatigued, because they have to try to stay engaged. Or if you're the presenter, you're looking at deadpan faces. There's so many things that is pulling us away from quality relationships, quality time with each other. I am struggling with Zoom fatigue. If that is you, raise your hand. Would you just put a hand raised in the emojis and just let me know if you're struggling with Zoom fatigue. Maybe you're loving it. I don't know. So give me, give, me, give me feedback on that. But again, we're in this series of disruption. We're ending the series today, but let us be reminded a disruption is an interruption to our assumptions. Just how thing, things have been going on and on and on. Let me tell you about a study that was done by Washington Post and published in the Washington Post on Google searches. It just shows you the difference in one year. So they looked at Google searches, the number one, the number 20, the top 20 Google searches in the first week of April in 2019. One year later, they looked at the top Google searches in 2020. Top 20. Let me give you just some of them, okay? This just shows you the disruption. So in 2019 of April, the very first week, the number one search on the how-tos was how to train a dragon. It was a cartoon, and it was how to train a dragon, a fairy tale cartoon. The second one, some of these make total sense. It's how to lose belly fat. And another one was how to lose weight. It's kind of like, oh, everyone realized spring break's coming up on us, and i got to get my beach body on or something like that. Uh, another one in the top 20 was how to tie a tie. I thought about that one. Why in the world? How, oh, prom. Everyone's getting dressed up, getting on the digs for the prom, so how to tie a tie. Now, this next one, I don't know why. It's how to get away with murder. Maybe that, that's if you have a, pro, a bad prom date. But those, that was in the top 20, how to get away with murder. So go figure on those, okay? Here's the top in 2020 of April, the very first week. How to make a mask out of fabric. This is the number one search. The number two search, how to make hand sanitizer. How to file for unemployment. How to cut hair was one of the top 20. And this is a hilarious one how to make French toast. So maybe now we know that how you survive the quarantine life is you eat French toast. I don't know. But needless to say, we've had a disruption to the assumptions of what we Google search. Listen, there's a dark side to this, 
and there's a disruption to this, and there's a discomfort to this, and there's a, I'm ready for this to be over. Uh, but you know what? When this series, as we end the series today on disruption, I want us to turn our eyes to start focusing on the future. I want us to start thinking intentionally about tomorrow. What does tomorrow, yes, it's dark, the disruption is there, it's messed things up, but what if, what if we intentionally moved into the future? What if we set our eyes and looked to the future with great intentionality? What if we took this quarantined life, being sheltered in our home, sheltering in place, what if we took it and we turned it and we said, I want to go back to a new normal. What would that look like? Because I have to believe that this disruption is something that God has allowed to come into our society to maybe set us on a better path. Now, I am not going to get into the whole theology behind pain and suffering, but I just want to say that God can use even pain and suffering to do incredible things in our life. And there might be, on the other side of this, a bright future if we capitalize on this moment. Here's a life principle for you. Jot it down. God has a purpose in our pain. I want you to say that with me. God has a purpose in our pain. What is the purpose of the pain that you are feeling? Maybe It's so that you would reformat your life. Maybe it's so that you would reboot your life, to use a computer term. Maybe it's so that you would reimagine your life. This series that we're going to launch in today is in the the book of James. We have these, these guides, these ESV study guide journal Bibles, if you want to pick up one of them. But... Just imagine with me, what if I could reimagine my life? What if I used the, this downtime, this staying at home time, this intentional time that I have to be sequestered in my house? What if I used that to reimagine, to reformat, to reboot my life to God's better plan and design? That's where we're going to be going in the weeks ahead. That's where we're going to be aiming in the weeks ahead. Because when you look at pain and suffering, we got to remember that God uses that pain for a purpose. That God has a purpose in our pain. Now, where do I get that? Because in James chapter 1, verse 4. So be finding James. If you have one of these journal Bibles already picked up, you should be able to find it really quickly. It's the very first page. It's James chapter 1. Verse 4, it says this. This is the purpose of the pain that we go through. You may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. God is going to do something in your life that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Is there one word in that sentence that doesn't excite you? Lacking in nothing, complete, perfect that you would be that's a speaking of promise that's speaking of hope that's speaking of possibilities what if we reimagined our life and in this season we set off on a new course in James chapter 1 verse 1 we get these words James the servant of God now that's what 
James, the author, the half-brother of Jesus, that's simply how he introduces himself. Paul would always say, servant of God and an apostle. James says, servant of God. Pure and simple, I'm just a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve, dispersion. To the twelve tribes that are scattered throughout. See, what had happened in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, you can read it in your own time. The church in Jerusalem had been dispersed, had been scattered. We're filming today in the empty corridors, you hear the echo maybe, the empty corridors of Grace Point Church. Because why? Grace Point has been dispersed. So there's probably not a more appropriate book to study than a book that the half-brother of Jesus wrote to a church that was no longer able to meet in Jerusalem that had been dispersed because of the persecution and they have been scattered abroad. And what James does is he writes this very highly practical letter of encouragement and instruction to believers. In a day of dispersion, in a day of disruption, let us consider the words of the half-brother of Jesus. And so he goes on in verse in the following verses, he says, greetings. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. There you have it. That's the aim. That's where God is going. That's the purpose behind the pain. God has an end game for your life, but we have to live the short game if we want to see the end game. And the way we're going to do that is I'm going to really challenge you and I'm going to, I'm providing some questions for our small groups. And if you want to be a part of a group or you want to join a group or you want to start a group, let's talk. Let's have a conversation around that because I have four COVID-19 reflection questions that I'm giving all of our group leaders. So go ahead and text your group leader right now. Say, hey, send me these four questions. Because these four questions are going to help tee you up, prepare you for that reinvention, that realigning, that rebooting, that reimagining your life. Using this time, capitalizing on it, knowing that God has a long game, let's live the short game really well today. If you would like to be a part of a group, like to learn more about groups, Here's what you can do. Text GPC groups to 97000. GPC groups to 97000. Be sure and lump all those words together and that will connect you up. We'll get you connected. Let's talk about the book of James. Again, I have to say this. It's one of my favorite books in all the New Testament. If you took all the books in the New Testament, I would probably put it in my top three, maybe four of the top books of the Bible. I've been literally praying, God, I want to preach through James. God, I want to share through James. God, I want to do a study through James for the past two years. And it was just about two weeks ago that God gave me the clearance. It's time to go through James. I love it. What a time. What a season. Why do I like James so much? It's so practical. I mean, it's, it's, it's written to the church that's dispersed. We're a church that's dispersed. You can't get any more practical than or more relevant to who we are today. But it's also, 
when you think about the book of James, you, you need to see it as a very practical book. It's the Proverbs of the New Testament, some people have said. It also gives very clear instruction. There are more imperative commands per verse, per ratio of books of the Bible, per, than any other New Testament uh, book. 55 calls to action in this one five-chapter book. You won't want to miss the study all the way through this summer. God has a purpose in His pain, and He's going to reveal it to us in His Word. Let us reimagine our lives. So how is it that we work through this disruption as we end that series today into a reimagined life? Again, we're in the short game right now. We've got to live the short game well to get into God's long game for, our, for our, our lives. And so how do we make that transition? Well, it's like this. I want to live a James 1-4 life where I'm perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Well, I can't until I live a James 1, 2, and 3 life. I have to live verse 2 and 3 before I can live verse 4. It's just a part of God's plan. And what, God, what James does here, he brings in an ancient rhetorical device. A concatenation is what it's called. I'd never heard of that before and actually did a lot of research on it. It's actually a rhetorical device that Jesus used even when he was teaching on prayer. When Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, he said this, Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. He's using this rhetorical device of three distinct statements, but yet these three statements tie together. Paul did the same thing in Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Well, James does it in this passage. When he talks about trials is tied to steadfastness, is tied to perfection. You can't separate them out, but yet they're all separate. They come together. That's, again, a rhetorical device. So as you look at this, let's understand these three, how they tie together. And I want to call it three pathways through disruption to a life reimagined. Three pathways, if we're going to move from disruption into a life reimagined, how do we get there? Number one, choose your attitude. Pure and simple, choose your attitude. Nobody chooses your attitude for you. Now, uh, that's, just, that's just hard talk. That's just the reality. Your circumstances may be dictated to you. The, the relationship that's not what it ought to be maybe was given to you. The broken trust may be there. But you choose your attitude. I choose my attitude. The way I see things, the way I feel things, that is a lot upon me. And listen, my attitude is my forerunner. It is what people see in me. It's what people hear from me. It's what even people smell when they get close to me. So choose your attitude. Here's a life principle for you. Your attitude is your choice. I know it seems like some trite statements that I'm making there, but don't miss what's going on here. That sometimes we get lost in the pursuit of happiness. And what we don't want to miss is the deep abiding presence of joy. See, joy is, is a state of being, while happiness is a state of mind. 
Happiness is because things happen to you. Joy depends on something that happens in you. So what am I? Am I happy or am I full of joy? Because if I'm full of joy, it will, it will overcome the circumstances of my life. Happiness is based on circumstances outside. Joy is based on substance inside. Now, why do I say all that? Because the very first command of the 55 commands in James that he gives us is in verse 2 when it says, count it all joy. That's the command. Count it joy. Choose your attitude. Decide right now that I'm going to look at my life and I'm going to say, I don't like maybe my circumstances. I don't like this situation. I don't like my job or I don't like my relationship. But I'm not going to let that determine my attitude. I am going to have an attitude of joy. One translation of the Bible says, consider it all joy. Consider it. Count it all joy. It's an accounting expression where you need to go in and do the books on your life, but you need to cook the books. You need to add it all up, but at the end of the day, put, I've got joy. I'm going to have joy in my life. I'm going to have the right attitude about my life. Dennis Waitley says it like this. The winner's edge is not in a gifted birth, a high IQ, or in talent. The winner's edge in all things is the attitude, not our aptitude. Attitude is the criterion of success. But you can't buy attitude for a million dollars. Attitude's not for sale. Why? You choose it. You're just going to have to choose it. It's why when Job was under deep loss and pain and suffering, what did he say? He said, though he slay me, I will trust in him. See, there was something deep inside of Job that could not be taken from him. His wealth, his health, his family could even be taken from him, but he was still trusting and abiding in his relationship with God. What did Paul say when he was locked in jail to the church at Philippi who was living in freedom? He said, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. This is a man in a prison cell saying, people outside, you need to have an attitude of joy. Now, I've learned something about myself in COVID-19. and I'm, it's, it's hard to even say this, but it's true. I am an anxious person. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. I didn't know I was until now. Because here's what I found over the past three months. This is even before COVID-19. This has been since the beginning, well, midway through January of 2020. I've just had a lot of anxious thoughts, struggles, and trying to navigate them and trying to do the right thing, think the right thoughts, trying to sort things out. And it's not easy because I am a fixer. You got a problem? Bring your problem to me. I'll fix it. This has been something I couldn't fix. And so in that, then COVID-19, everything else, it's been a journey for me. But I've had to learn, and I'm learning, that I've got to count it all joy, even when I can't control my circumstances. So let us remember, the first pathway, choose your attitude. The second pathway is take the test. You can't skip this, skip, this test day, okay? This is not a test that we can skip. Just man up or woman up and take the test. It's real. We've got to do it. 
If you struggle in school with test anxiety, would you just give me a raise of the hand in the comment section? If you struggle with paralyzing test anxiety, where literally you lost sleep and you wept or you, 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 you couldn't, you, you just froze up, raise two hands in the comment section. I want to know who are test anxiety people out there. If you made straight A's and everything, well, I got, I got envy for you. All right, that's all I can say about you. Um, listen. James goes on to say, it's not only count it all joy, my brothers, because he says when to count it all joy. When you count it all joy, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know the testing of your faith. Let's break that down real quickly here. He tells us when, when. It didn't say if, he said when. And he says what? When you meet When you meet what? When you meet trials. Now, have you noticed about trials? They don't come up and stick their hand out and say, Hey, I'm a trial and I'm here to greet you. No, they come kick your door in in the middle of the night. They scare the life out of you. They take joy from you or they take uh, uh, whatever sense of, uh, uh, of rhythms you have. It's a disruption in your life. When you meet trials, when you meet them, when they attack you, when they ambush you. But he said trials. It's an interesting word there. It's where, it's a Greek word pyrosmos, where we get our English word pirate from. Pyrosmos, pirate, you can hear it even in in that word. He uses that word no less than six times in chapter one. It's a major theme. So what you can take away from that is when you realize that in this life reimagined, that a part of the life reimagined is a disruption, is, is, is trials that are going to come upon us. And in those trials, in those seasons of trials, that's when we can begin to live a life reimagined. Pirates, pyrosmos, trials are going to come upon us. But also says this, of various kinds of diverse colors and shapes and sizes are going to get us. Verse 3, For you know that the testing of your faith. I I said take the test, this pathway. Don't try to skip it. Don't try to go around it. You've got to face it. When trials come, when tests come, they're there to make us better, holy, what God intended us to be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. He allows trials to come into our life to test us. And that word testing literally means by fire. Just like you would test gold or silver by fire. Getting the dross to the top, cleaning it off so you could have pure gold, perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. That's the long game, but we're going to have to play the short game if we're going to get there. The idea of Furry, fiery furnaces is exactly what Peter talks about. In 1 Peter, if there's a New Testament Proverbs, it's the book of James. If there's a New Testament Job, it's the book of 1 Peter. Every chapter in 1 Peter, he talks about suffering. He talks about trials. He talks about persevering. In chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, he talks about fiery furnace. In chapter 4, verse 12, he talks about a fiery ordeal. Chapter 5, verse 10, the thesis of the entire book 
of 1 Peter, he says, after you've suffered a little while. We have to realize that our suffering, our trials, are for a little while. They're not forever, but they are for a while. So we have to realize that. John Ortberg said it like this, Your character is forged when life does not turn out the way you planned. Wow, what a statement. Your character is forged when life does not turn out the way it's planned. C.S. Lewis, a great writer of old, said, Pain is God's megaphone. What is God saying to you? God's megaphone is the pains of life. That's, that's God speaking. Right now, some of you are going through some stressful season. What is God saying to you? Are you taking the test? Is He purifying you? Is He making your life more perfect, complete, lacking in nothing? How are you doing in that? If you're open to this, I would be glad and honored to read through them. If you, I've asked you to write a lot of things in the comment section, but if you could say, if you could summarize, what is the test that you're going through right now? If it's, you want to be generic or you want to be specific, put it in the comments section. You may say, the rhythms of my life are all messed up and I'm trying to figure it out. You know, you might say that it's too much family time or it might be that work is demanding too much of me or it, it, it might be something that you're struggling with internally. Where are you at and how can we be praying for you in this season? If you also text GPC Connect to 97000, one of our pastors will reach out to you and help connect you and pray with you and walk with you in this season. So what do we do? Pathway number one, choose your attitude. Pathway number two, take the test. Pathway number three, stand strong. As you are walking in this season of testing and trials, in the various kinds that they may come, stand strong. Verse 3, he literally makes it clear. He makes it clear in verse 3 and in verse 4, he uses the same word twice. It says, stand fast. I was reading in my own personal times with the Lord the other day in Psalm 57. About when David was struggling in his own life, running for his life, being chased, being nearly killed. And he was running and wondering, where's God? In fact, this is what he said. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie amid fiery beasts. Does that sound like a fun place to be? The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. That is Psalm 57, verse 4. That doesn't sound like he was having a walk in the park eating snow cones. Lions, beasts, spears, arrows. Verse 7. That was verse 4. Verse 7. My heart is steadfast. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. See, take a deep breath. Breathe out. In times of trials and testing, choose your attitude. Take the test and stand strong. Let all the other dross fall off. Let all the other broken parts of our life, let all the other distractions of the world fall off and see the core of who you are. James 1, 3 to 4 says, Your faith produces in steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect. Even Paul prayed when he was praying for the church at Colossae 
He prayed for them to be steadfast. He prayed for endurance. The same word James uses in James chapter 1 for steadfast, Paul uses in Colossians chapter 1 verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to the glorious, his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. There is joy and there is steadfastness. There is joy and there are trials. And we can have both. In this whole steadfast point, I pointed out that my times with the Lord, Psalm 57, God had me in. Listen, I can tell you this from a personal experience. And Lori, if she was standing here on the stage, we cannot make it through life without times with God. We both start all of our days every day in a time with the Lord. And she was in the time with the Lord the other day, and she was reading through a great little devotional book, a classic of classics, Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest. You can go back and you can read uh, April, uh, I think it's 29th, for yourself. And just read it in light of COVID-19. I want to read it. It's a long quote, but you follow along as I read it. Naturally, we are inclined to be so mathematical and calculating that we look upon uncertainty, may I say disruption, as a bad thing. Certainly, certainty is the mark of a common sense life. Certainty is the mark of a common sense life. Gracious uncertainty is the mark of the spiritual life. To be certain of God means that we are uncertain in all our ways. We do not know what a day may bring forth. This is generally said with a sigh of sadness. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, so we, we kind of get our ruffled feathers. We say that with sadness. It should be rather an expression of breathless expectation. We are uncertain of the next step, but we are certain of God. We are not uncertain of God, but uncertain of what He is going to do next. When we are rightly related to God, life is full of spontaneous, joyful uncertainty. Disruptions, may I say. And expectancy. Leaving the whole thing to Him is a glorious, uncertain Uh, is gloriously uncertain how he will come in and he will come. What a beautiful statement that the spiritual life is actually a disrupted life, an uncertain life. The end game for God in your life and my life is perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. How do you get there? You get there on pathways by counting it all joy, by taking the test, by standing strong. Now that sounds, let me just say this, that sounds very mind over matter. That sounds very secular humanistic because I didn't mention Jesus in any of that, right? You can't do any of that without Jesus. We got to remember when James was writing the book of James, who was he writing it to? He was writing it to Christians. There was the presumption that they were already believers. They were the dispersed church. They had Jesus in them. So how am I able to count it all joy? 
Without Jesus, it's impossible. How am I able to take the test without crumbling under the weight and the pressures and the, and the heat and the fire of life? Without Jesus, I don't know how people do it. How am I able to stand strong and not lose character and actually be better on the backside? Without Jesus, I don't know how. If you don't have Jesus as the foundation of your life, you'll never be able to count it all joy. You'll never be able to take the test and pass it, and you will never be able to stand strong. But when you have Jesus, you can walk in joy. You can take the test, and you can be steadfast. And, my friends, you will be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. If you don't know Jesus like that today that I just described, I want to again offer you to text us, trust Jesus at 97000. One of our pastors in the next 24 hours will reach out to you. We want to pray with you, walk with you, help you enter into that relationship with Jesus. Or if you just want to connect with us, GPC Connect 97000. We are here for you. We want to walk with you. We want to pray with you. We want to help you reimagine your life into the new normal when it comes.